Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Forever Blue podcast. My name is Ian Cheeseman and you are very welcome to come along to this Manchester City-based audio podcast, which we sometimes put a little bit of on YouTube as well. And it's brought to you by Howard Solicitors, who are a company based in Ashton and Stockport. They specialise in personal injury claims on a no-win, no-fee basis. So if you've had an accident that wasn't your fault, give them a shout and we'll see if they can help you. You can call them on 01618 or you can email law at howardsolicitors.com. Now, as usual, I've got two members of the Forever Blue uh, squad with me. Well, one new one and one old one, although he's not that old anyway. So we've got Harlan, not to be confused with Erling Harland, who will be confused with now because the name's so similar. We've got Tom, Tom Jones, and we've also got the Sean Golter, over 100 goals scored for our fabulous club and always a joy to speak to. Um, Sean, thanks very much for joining us. I've got to say, as a City fan at the moment, things really couldn't be better. I mean, I know it was a 3 all draw at Newcastle and it wasn't a victory, but come on, we're watching the best football the club's ever played, some of the best football that the, the world has ever seen. And despite the fact that City trailed in that game at one point by three goals to one, and we might discuss tactics and we might even pick holes in the great Guardiola, I've got to say overall, blimey, you know, we're lucky to have the genius that is Pep Guardiola as the Manchester City manager. Um, I went up to Newcastle and was in the away end. The Newcastle fans, I have to say, I'm a big fan of the Newcastle fans. They're, they're great people. They feel really down to earth. I'm really pleased for them that they now have some money to spend and maybe they will emulate what City have done over the last uh, few years and become just as successful. They played great football. They went for it um, and they, they nearly beat City and, uh, and good luck to them. It made for a, a very entertaining game. So, Sean, you obviously will have watched the game. Um, what did you make of it? T tell me what you learnt from the match, Sean. Well, the one thing I, I learned was that uh, Newcastle, um, you know, their approach was was brave, um, and he said the right approach in terms of, you know, really trying to press City uh, and, and put City on your back foot. It, it's a brave move because normally, probably nine times out of ten, when, when teams attempt that. City play through them, uh, but on this occasion, um, their their press was really good. It was aggressive, along with the you know the Newcastle support really getting behind uh, Newcastle to push them. Uh, I think that encouraged them. Um, so from from Newcastle's point of view, I thought tactically, I thought they they did on brilliant. They were aggressive in their game um, and forced City into 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 errors that we don't normally see. So. I would say from City's point of view, you know, we, we made we made some errors um, that was forced through the pressure uh, the, and the tempo of, of Newcastle and, you know, well done to Newcastle. But I, I would also say that um, from City's point of view, I think looking back, if we probably missed that that initial uh, front press with three, three, four players pressing, bypassed that and went in beyond that first line of pressing, I think we'll play through them, but I think it's easier saying it's easier saying that, to, um, and then to actually execute it. But uh, one thing's for sure: the next time Newcastle come up against City, uh, I think City will have a different game plan. That's for sure. It'll you know be um, adaptable certainly. There's been a lot of comment from City fans since the match about the inverted fullbacks 
and that allowing space. And we know, well, I certainly, I'm sure you agree with me, thinking that Alan Sam Maximum is just an amazing player. I love watching him. He's full of energy, loves to run at players. Joe Linton's another player who, who does that very, very effectively. I love watching them sweep forward. I might not have enjoyed it being against City, but I love yeah. watching them sweep forward. Was the fact that City had these inverted fullbacks, did that play into to Newcastle's hands in that sense? Well, you would think normally if with, you know, with fullbacks going inside, the, the wide players with the opposition would typically have to have to go inside as well to, to track where City's players, fullbacks are going. And then if Newcastle then have the ball, if they are receiving that ball early within those areas, they're, they're not in their normal natural position, in a wide position, to go and, and attack the fullbacks in a natural position. The other side, from City's point of view, there there's an area that it's it's easy to win the ball back. But from Newcastle's point of view, they will win the ball back, and they were able to offer that width. Um, you know, he was offering that width, going going wide, and then being able to run it run at Walker. And the first time I've seen Walker be challenged, um, you know, physically in terms of pace and power. And normally, when we see Walker come up against anybody, what they typically do is they they go inside because they go so far inside and then Walker could pass them on because they think, I, I'm not thinking about trying to run Walker. But he had the same pace and, and power as Walker. Uh, and, and certainly made Walker look a bit uncomfortable at times. So with the fullbacks going inside, um, I think part of that is to, to, draw that, to draw them in uncomfortable positions. But also from our point of view, it allows De Bruyne to, he's his normally saying in a tan in the pocket, where he can then drift wide and receive balls in wide positions to one either cross and then start start through passes from their position. Um, but as a result, because of because of their press, if you think about it, we never really got De Bruyne into the game as much as we would have liked. And 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 if it was the case, we'd have found him, you know, threading passes and 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 creating havoc. But you know, well well done to them for uh, sort of not allowing De Bruyne to be in the game as much as we'd like. He's one of the best strikers that's ever played for City. Nobody can argue with your statistics, Sean, and the fact that you know you you were you know a classic striker, um, a, a bit like Erling Haaland in the sense that your game was about finishing. How, how have you assessed him so far? And I mean, I know it's only been three league games, and and you know the the one game in, against Liverpool in the Community Shield. But what have you made of him so far? Well, he's done exactly what I thought he'd do. You know, exactly what it says on the tin. He's, he's a, a centre forward that will see opportunities a fraction earlier than, than players that, that play up there that um, certainly from a, a point of view that allows us to keep the ball more as a, as a team. I.e. If, if we have another player that plays in number nine as a team, we keep the ball more, we, we look um, possession-wise, we're able to keep the ball, but but as a as a number nine up there, what he does is he sees an opportunity a lot a lot sooner than a player that will play in a false nine position that isn't an out no striker. So there's there's pluses and minuses. Now the plus side is he sees it that fraction earlier. Um, the other side is that you got players such as De Bruyne that knows there's a, there's a striker that wants to be served, um, and so. If there's a false nine up there, De Bruyne may say, I, I wouldn't necessarily cross it because, um, because it's Foden, for instance, playing up there. So I'll come back and recirculate it, and maybe 10 passes later, we're finding a through ball for Foden to run onto. 
um, but with Harlan, with, with Harlan up there, you know, he received that ball and he'll just see where he is and thinks, yes, I could put it in that area because I know this is what he also wants. So, you know, that's the difference. But for me, he's done everything that we've expected. He's, you know, he's got three goals and what, three games. Um, be interesting to see if he adjusts his game uh, uh, to be more like a city player. And, and what I mean is not just be up there as a center forward. Does he drop drop down and get involved in, in somebody build up? Not overly a lot, but just just enough to keep himself in the game because as an old-fashioned center forward, you could stand up there and you can you you can sort of oh, I haven't really been in the game. So it'll be interesting to see that does he come, does he come a little deep, get a few touches, and and again, it may sound funny, but just coming deep and, and rolling a 10-yard pass keeps you in the game. Uh, and then he can go back up there and, and then when the opportunity for that through pass and what have you then. And he's on to so it'll be interesting to see if that part of his game does he evolve into that or does he stay as the as the center forward that he is? It's my guess that over time he'll 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 drop because City are so great that if he does drop, somebody will fill that space. And I think what we've seen with Pep is he he wants that sort of player, he wants that sort of team. If somebody comes out of a space, somebody goes in and fills it. So I think he will be if he evolves his game that way. I think he will evolve to the perfect centre-forward start. You've heard what uh, the experts had to say. Sean, go to Tom. What, what, what have you learned from watching that Newcastle game and, and what do you make of what you've heard from Sean? Do you agree with it? Tom? Yeah, more or less, yeah. Um, when, when I was watching the Newcastle game, I thought it was really quite... Um, it was quite difficult to break them down. They Like, like Sean said... The management and the tactics from Newcastle themselves were excellent. They knew how to stop our play and play around and make us play around them rather than us and try and make us break them down. And um, I think I think one thing in my mind as well, because we've had we've we've got Harlan coming in, we've had to adapt the way that we play with him. Um, that we've not had that strike in the past couple seasons to find that direct pass that De Bruyne is so good at. Um, and we're having to play it around a lot more to try and find that 10th ball to get Foden in. It's more, it, we've not had enough time to start getting that rhythm and that um, sharp, match sharpness into it. Because we only had two pre-season games and we played three Premier League games. There are other teams out there like Newcastle who played a lot more and have got a rhythm in there. And, but I thought it, I thought it was a fantastic game of football, and I really enjoyed watching it. Even though I was in a pub um, over on Merseyside, full of Liverpool fans cheering away every Newcastle goal. But um, I thought Newcastle look really good, and I think they're going to be just getting better and better, and definitely pushing for European football. But we, we, we it showed that across the league how difficult these teams are and how City are going to have to um, up their game even more to keep fighting for these titles and we, again we looked incredible like even 3-1 down we came back and the first De Bruyne pass to um, the De Bruyne pass to Bernardo for the third goal was unbelievable What about you Sean? It really surprised me in Newcastle because again it's a brave move to, to think you want to go toe-to-toe with City um, but they, they, yeah. they, again, it was it was the right move. Because certainly from them getting the draw, 
and and you look at it, you think, well, are they? It's it's amazing where they've come from. A team that was heading for relegation in the prime to to now getting you know getting uh, well scoring three goals against us and getting a point. It's amazing to see you know what Eddie Howe has done with their team and and. But again, they've still got a, a long way to go to, to achieve some of the things that the city have done. Um, but I, I was I was I enjoyed it because it's it, from a footballing point of view, not from a footballing point of view, it was good to see a team say we're gonna we're gonna have a go. Because normally we get that in Champions League, uh, the top teams, Liverpool, uh, you get it a little bit with, with Chelsea, uh, maybe a little at a little with Tottenham, but you don't get it too often. So with Newcastle doing that was 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 interesting to see them have a go and go. We're gonna we're gonna go toe to toe. So for a neutral, it was it was very entertaining. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It, like, it was it was pretty refreshing to be honest. That you know, I always say, and I'll I'll probably say this a bit later on again and reiterate it, Sean. That um, me and Ian have had chats as, as friends, and of course about City on a regular basis about. How, how kind of competitive the Premier League sometimes is or isn't nowadays, and of course from an ivory tower being a bigger club now with a you know a lot of money, not that matters, but the way we invest it is obviously the, the most unbelievable thing about it. But to be one of the bigger clubs now, you know, to be close-minded to it and say that you know the Premier League isn't a closed market from maybe seventh up in terms of potentially being able to qualify for the Champions League. Hmm. we'd be naive to think that it isn't. So I think that on average, you play 16 games a season in the Premier League that have to be bread and butter, won against your absolute rivals if you want to be anywhere near the Champions League as a top side. And the other teams, without disrespecting them, are the sides that you should be able to pick off and score your threes and fours at home, your Bournemouths. You know, not your, you know somebody's going to get beat at the Etihad one day, seven, eight, nine, like Watford did in that eight nil loss, like Burton did even when they were playing in the, the championship. But I feel like it only being a 16 game season when you consider that they are the teams you've got to beat to win the league. Sometimes we can become complacent or we can become a bit naive to the fact that we are not going to be allowed to keep the ball for 80 minutes of a 90 minute football match against a side like Newcastle that are a rising giant yeah, and they're just going to sit back and take it. And I think yesterday we were expecting a different beast to the one we got, even though Pep would have known that St. Maximan, Almiron, even Joel Linton, who's turned into one of the best yeah. mid-table central midfielders from being an out-and-out number nine at um, Hoffenheim, um, what they were capable of. But at the same time, I think that we as a side and as a team, and maybe some, some of us as, a fan, as, as, as part of the City fan base, thought we were going to get a different Newcastle to what we got. And that, for me, is why we've got to almost have those reality checks, those three old draws at places like Newcastle, to go, you are still going to have extra games that you're going to have to be on your toes with because it isn't a God-given right to be top or top four. Absolutely. Just just speak, speaking about sort of Joe Linton, um, he, he, he has really changed and, and it also brilliant by moving him into midfield. And he's such a good fit for Newcastle because there's always there's always a player that sort of I, I feel that you need to reflect the fans and and that and that passion and he's that player that that sort of does that that physical you know um he's that physical specimen that that they look forward to say we're not we're not getting bullied you know um we're here and when he puts himself about 
it certainly made it a lot more, a lot more challenging. He's, you even see at times he's trying to sort of referee the game because he's he's having a good referee like, hey, that's our ball, and and it's it's slightly refreshing to see because normally, you know, what a season or so ago, every little every little touch was like there's a foul, so it was refreshing to see a little bit of that come into the game. But from his point of view at Newcastle, you know, I I thought he was um, he was a main part of of how they played so well. It's, it's, it's physicalness to break stuff up, but also just just decent on your ball as well. Interesting you should mention the physicality there, Sean, because as I was watching the game, one thing that went through my mind, because I've heard that referees have been allowed a little bit more licence this season to let a little bit more physicality come into the game. And I thought, if this game, if that game yesterday had been played um, behind closed doors, as we saw so many games during COVID, it wouldn't have allowed to be that physical um, do, do you prefer football? I mean, we're talking quite generally and not just City. So first of all, do you prefer a more physical game? You've probably played in a more physical game in your era. And secondly, well, uh, does it suit City? Well, a more physical game, I think from the way, the way certainly we educate our players is, is to eliminate the physicality. Because if we're in the right position to receive the ball, then the defender has to make a decision. Does he come close to me as a, as a, as a midfielder? Does he come close to me to, um, uh, to stop me from receiving a ball? Then that ball, instead of going to me, can go to another player, which I can then get the return from. And so the city coach, are, you know, develop our players so such that we take the physicality away from it. And if, if we're spot on tech, uh, technically, in terms of being able to control it and pass it well, the physical element is taken out of the game. Now, if we're struggling, i.e. a ball comes into me, I am miscontrolled, it comes away from me three yards, the person that's coming in to challenge gets the nibble, he's now being encouraged. The physicality now comes into it because I've now got to try to recover that because I've had a, a bad touch. Um, so this is why when we have players with such great ability, that doesn't happen too often when a ball goes into a player you know, is, is normally a perfect touch and then we're passing it and then that pressure's coming to me, you know, we're passing it and then the pressure's coming. So the, so the physicality in how we play and how we position ourselves is, is taking out of the game. When teams are able to get close, um, then they're more encouraged and, and that's what, and that's part of what happened with Newcastle as well, Be, being able to get close, to get a nibble, to get a hand on, to just, you know, shove a player, put him off balance, um, that gives that gives them more encouragement, um, but at the same time, there's there's a there's a steelness about City, and the steelness is if you know if the bolster was still was still we want to win that ball. I I I hundred percent get where Sean's coming from. Of course, that is a new coaching. It's not a new coaching philosophy, but it's one, like Sean said, you avoid injury that way, you prevent injury that way. It's a, it's a much more positive way of thinking about not receiving terrible challenges and career-ending challenges and that kind of thing. And, you know, it's a really good way of, of avoiding that kind of stuff. But I still feel, you asked a question on the podcast two years ago now, we're talking, what, 24 months? And you asked the City too soft in combative games. And I still think we are. I still think that, you know, unless there's a Fernandinho on the, I was calling for Calvin Phillips at half time yesterday because it was a game that was bang on for a Calvin Phillips. A, a little bit of a, you know, even a, even a Alvarez who reminds me very much, Sean, of a 
of a Carlos Tevez. I know that the Sergio Aguero kind of comparisons are there because he's the he's the similar you know he's a similar age to when Sergio came. But I never remember Sergio being as intense in the press as Alvarez is. I always remember Tevez being a bit like you. You played with Paul Dickov, and I didn't yeah. see Paul too much as a youngster, but waspiness and you know, in in the most endearing way, if Paul listens to this, I don't mean you're a rat, Paul, but I mean a rat that doesn't ever let that that cheese well, escape him. You know, we use the term "rat in a boat." That that was the term, you know. Yeah, rat a boat. Go go amongst them. Get in them. Uh, and you're absolutely yeah, absolutely right. That 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 was, yeah. that was sort of Paul. And and you're right. I think um, uh, Alvarez is is that sort of player that he'll rat around. He'll get amongst that energy, but. But also that energy that when teams fall asleep, that he could be he can be slid in. So be interesting to see, you know, when he's starting to get real comfortable and feeling at home and and getting a number of uh, you know games and minutes under his belt and see what he he starts to produce as well. Yeah, well, on that as well. I mean, Alvarez probably would have given it a bit more aggression in the press and given us a different kind of aggression in that sense in the forward and attacking phase but I just feel like yesterday and it isn't his fault he's, he's really developed but it was one of those games yesterday that I don't think Rodri was expecting it to be and I feel like at times yesterday he was overrun like he maybe was in his first season at times where he wasn't quite quite Fernandinho or Nigel the young enough to get really stuck into Joe Linton to get really stuck into uh, Bruno Gamares, for example, they seem to dominate us in midfield in terms of physicality, which was then allowing them to win the ball back in dangerous areas for us and for them, them in an attacking sense, us in a defensive sense. And they were able to capitalise on it a couple of times. And you add uh, St. Maxim and as Ian eloquently said earlier on to the mix, and then you've got a mixture of, you know, defensive capability, you know, uh, aggression and quality on the ball. And, I just feel like we weren't tough enough yesterday. And against sides like that, you've got to be tougher. If they want a rot, if you know, if they want a war and you are a pretty football playing side, sometimes Pep needs to say, you know, we need to be a bit more warlike here. We're gonna to have to who are who are my soldiers? Who are who's gonna dig in and give it a bit for us? We don't want to be seen as an aggressive side, Sean. But Fernandinho never give two hoots about being aggressive. It was what was important for the team. And yesterday there was a few players that ducked and dived at the physicality in the game for me. I mean, listen, I, I had that same same viewpoint in regards to Fernandinho and Rodri. But what, I, what I've come to know from looking at Rodri, Rodri, I, I sort of use the term like as a fireman putting out fires, but he puts out fires differently. He, he puts out mm. fires without, without the clattering challenge, but it's the, 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 the seeing the situation and being putting out fires as in we may be in tight situations, he's in the right position to get it, and then he... He switches the ball. He, he goes back to the defenders who then switch the ball and rotate it. And so before something becomes a mess, he oh, starts to create a fire. He's there putting it out. Um, talking about the physicality, Rodri is, and, and I think that was the thing I had. I kept looking for Rodri to be this similar to, to, to Fernandinho um, and, and given these crunching tackles. But I realized that, you know, we could also solve the puzzle by if he's in the right position, uh, if he's in the right position, um, that we're always able to keep the ball. It doesn't come into a physical. Now, on the other hand, when they've got the ball, you know, when we when we go to win the ball, it isn't about just one person. It isn't just about Rodri being physical. It's about how are we pressing? You know, is three, four of us, you know, backing up, not just Rodri going and getting picked off? Because then then we say, well, Rodri's going and got picked off. And, and we would always then come around and say, somewhere in the midfield, we're lacking. 
but if Rodgers going by himself, he'll get picked off. If he's going in threes and fours, then there's there's more chance we're able to get a nibble. And for me, I I think sometimes we think of a tackle has to be you know full blooded, and we want it and let them know. From you know winning possession, who cares whether it's a toe poke, you know whether it's a, a deflection, it's it's how it, it's just winning possession. So when I look at Rodri. I don't need Roger to go and give me a 50-50 tackle to say, yeah, I'm harder than you. I just need him to win it. Whether it's a scoop over someone's foot and wins it or whether it's a toe poke to our team, I'm like, yes, we won it. Um, and I think that's that's sort of um, a thing we've got to slowly um, get out of thinking that to win the ball, it has to be a 50-50 crunching tackle. Don't get me wrong. When the ball's there, there are sometimes you can't avoid it. And I come from the old school. The ball's there we got to win it. And, and what I mean is if it's 50-50, we're going full-blooded to win that challenge. But I also think there's a large part of the game where it doesn't matter whether you scoop it over a foot and win it or whether you toe poke it away from the, the opposition and win it, yep. as long as you win it and, and you've got possession again. Yeah, I, I, okay. I fully agree with you in that one, Sean. Like with the, the, the way Roger plays is so different to the way that Fernandinho would play or Nigel De Jong would play. And the physicality yeah. is, is, is a different kind of physicality that I see. He's more um, technically, technically physical. He's not there trying to go, go into a 50-50 challenge and go right into the player and win the ball. Mm-hmm. But he does hold off players much, much better than he used to when he was started playing for City. And he's really good at just pushing players off. One thing I noticed about Rodri in the Newcastle game is he was there. He was getting back and dealing with the... Um, attacking Newcastle players because Newcastle, I noticed, um, were counter-attacking very, very quickly. And one thing that I thought, I agree with you as well, Harlan, bringing on Alvin Phillips would have brought on a little bit more physicality into there because I noticed um, when Gundogan and De Bruyne were playing in the midfield, when they were counter-attacking, there was an instant where we only had five players at the back. And I'm thinking, we've got um, five Newcastle players running in after us. We're out, we're even like we need more numbers in the defence here. And Rodri by himself couldn't cope in that game. And I think that's why Pep might be introducing the fullbacks into the midfield area. So you've got that yeah. more defensive and more physical side to that counter-attack play. But the Newcastle had a game plan for that one as well. But I think the the whole I think Rodri does a fantastic job, but he does need that extra little bit of support for when he does win the ball back. He needs that player to then go pass it to and to keep that possession because he does that so he does that so well. But during the Newcastle game, there were one or two opportunities where he was about where he did win possession, but he had no one to pass it on to because it was quite slow coming back. Whether that's um, match fitness or something, I don't know. But I feel like um, in those types of games, it's you've got a real. It's not about going into a 50-50 challenge. It's about pressing like we always have done as a City team and. Yeah. Uh, the past few years under Pep and really pushing back and making sure that we try and win that ball and get back into the game and get the ball up the pitch. In the second half, we were so much better at it. We were, we were running back. We, it was a second win more, like getting the ball quicker, much more sharp, and it, it was much better from there. But changing it so Alvarez would come on, maybe for Foden, who I thought had a poor game, maybe playing on the wing and give him a bit more support for the fullbacks as well, so that Cancelo or Walker could be in that midfield role, I reckon would have been, would have 
helped us out a little bit, but there's, there's loads of opportunities for these new signings that we've got to try and come in and make the mark on the team, which is exciting to see. And Haaland as well came back quite often, which I didn't, which I was surprised to see him do as an out-and-out goal scorer. He's obviously trying to change his game. But when he came back, he made he affected the game, which was really good as well. But uh, I think just trying, I think Pep's just trying different things at the moment to try and see what he can do to help with that physicality in that midfield area because Newcastle did dominate the midfield. So I think bringing on a player like Phillips would be better within a game like that, or maybe having Rodri and Phillips um, in a tougher game where we're struggling with the physicality because we've got teams like Crystal Palace. Coming up next to a very difficult team for us to beat. We'd lost to them 2-0 uh, last season at the Etihad and drew what and drew um, at Sellers Park. So that's going to be a very difficult team to break down, which has been proved by um, other teams that they've played already this season. So I think trying to um, get that physicality in there and trying to get that uh, mentality of <coughs> the possession back for that game is really important. And this three-all draw is the perfect thing for the team to say, right, let's get back into it. Well, let me, let me just expand that. And, and I bet Sean will want to go into this anyway, mm-hmm. because I know you're going to speak. Quite a few people, when I say quite a few people, obviously there's only four of us on this, and there might have been six people I spoke to on the match day vlog that I do that goes on YouTube uh, after the game yesterday. But two of those six, if I remember rightly, were saying that City aren't used to playing with a striker. Now, who better to ask that question to than Sean? Because as we said at the beginning of this podcast, you were, you know, one of the greatest strikers ever to play for the, for, for Manchester City and a specialist striker. In this new formation now with Haaland, and it's interesting that Tom says, you know, he appreciated him coming back and tracking back. Those fans and other people around me were saying the problem is that Haaland plays in one position. And so it's as if we've lost a midfielder. And that might explain the two inverted fullbacks that might in, in also because under the false nine situation, you always had that extra player. There was no player sacrificing themselves purely to be making a striker. So is, is Haaland at this stage, is he an issue, Sean? Well, your question, within your question, you answered your question. And, and this is, I said, there were pluses and minuses when you have a false nine, uh, someone playing in that position and, and then you have an out and out number nine and, and the, when you have a false nine, you do have that action midfielder because, again, they're they're happy to they're happy and very comfortable going back into those areas, um, creating an, an overload in midfield. And and what happens is when they drop down, then one of the um, De Bruyne or Gundogan or whoever's playing, whoever's playing, all of a sudden fills in and, and into the number nine position. And so this is why it's interesting. I think the evolution of Haaland and in time to come will be. We, we don't, you know, Pep doesn't just want him to, to stay up there and be a nine because he will, he will get chances and he'll probably get more chances by coming short, getting involved in terms of simple balls, receiving a ball, laying it off um, and then moving around and eventually drifting back up front because players will go take his position and then all of a sudden he's, the, he's able to make that, that clever run from slightly deeper but where the centre half is thinking, I'm marking, I don't know, Kevin De Bruyne, because Kevin De Bruyne is now in a number nine position. And, and I think that will be the evolution of him. So at this moment in time, I think 
the players are, are, are slightly adjusting a little bit to having an old note number nine. Um, but the more they play, the more that fluidity will happen in terms of them understanding Holland, uh, Holland understanding them. Um, and I'm trying to think which game it was. We had Rodri assisting with a quality pass. We had Gundogan passing with or assisting with a quality pass. Kevin De Bruyne with a quality pass. That's three players that was, you know, so he's, and, and because he's such a, a good finisher, this looks perfect from, from a team point of view because they can just say, oh, well, if we men mark or we try to get close to De Bruyne, then we could stop De Bruyne supplying. All of a sudden, you rugby's delivering balls for him. So this is, the, this is an asset when you talk about having an out and out striker. But the, the minus is, is if Foden's up there, Foden is up there threatening him behind and Foden is drifting and then good new one goes in behind and becomes the number nine or, or Bernardo Silva, depending on who I was playing. And they all know how to just fill these spaces. And, and, but at this moment, Haaland playing there as a nine is doing what we expect is to score goals. And it's for him to score goals, but the, 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 the great picture or the beautiful picture is when he's scoring and others are scoring because that's, that was, how we were playing without a number nine. So when we start having, you know, three goals and four goals as he and his scored a goal and one or two others have scored a goal, then we're, we're, we're exactly where we were without a number nine, but we have a number nine. I should, uh, by the way, ask you a question or two about your role now at City because, you know, you, you are involved at City and I'm, I remember at the time congratulating you when you got it and and uh, you said, oh, yeah, you have to talk to me about it sometime. This is the first chance I've had to properly talk to you about it. How did you get the role? What is the role and how much are you enjoying it, Sean? Well, I'm thor thoroughly enjoying it. And what it is, is it's through the, um, the Premier League Bain programme um, which I had applied and went through the whole process. And, and, and the reason was, I thought, watching, watching City is one thing, watching City, uh, you know, doing media and thinking, I know the game, but if I'm inside um, getting this information and getting this knowledge, then, then surely there's something, there's something more I can learn. And what, it, what it's really uh, showed me was this, there's a lot that I didn't know. And it really surprised me. And that's because it's come from you know, from, from Pep down in terms of the, the, the academy and the philosophy, the DNA of the club, uh, and, you know, how, how, we, how we're teaching, teaching the kids to, um, to, to be not, not just quality, but to be world-class. And, you know, we all, we all there's less coaches that, that go out and coach and say, well, we, we want him to be good, but we're, we're, we're trying to um, produce world-class players because again if they're going to get into Pep's team <laughs> you've got to be exceptionally quality um, and if you ain't world-class you can't be too far down below that level and this is why you see you know Foden and, and and you think wow you know but I see so many I see so many kids that are talented but also it's the knowledge and information that they're given uh, that's that takes them on to another level so I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I'm I'm currently with the under 16s. I uh, had done periods with the the under 10s, 11s, 12s, and, and again, the the tactics and the information. Even at under 10s, 11s, there's there's a level of tactics so that they understand the city way. And and that that blew my mind because you know just even hearing how 
other clubs such as you know Man United because academy coaches talk and they say that uh, Man United at, at the young ages they're all about just playing five aside seven aside and letting the kids sort of learn through through situations and scenarios and cities more is is some of that but also about the tactical understanding the, the city way of playing um but then when we always play and we, we always seem to hammer them and and so for me the evidence is there when I'm looking at the, you know, our, our um, I don't know, 10s, 11s and 12s when we play them, we're, we're, we're beating them comfortable. And I'm thinking, well, they're just playing five aside and, and skillful kids and asking them to figure it out. But we're, we're giving them a little bit more. And so the evidence that I see at that age seems to be very clear that always is, is working in terms of from a results. But at that age, it's not about the result. It's about managing managing the, the players and, and uh, improving them about developing the players um, but each each age group I go to we seem to dominate the ball when I look at the other 13s we dominate the ball you, you know 60 or percent of possession creating more chances and 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 why is that because they understand the city we're playing right to right way through it sounds like once Pep moves on, whenever that might be, he might extend, he might, he might go at the end of the season. None of us officially know anything yet. Um, and obviously, even if you did know, I wouldn't expect you to tell us. But it sounds like whatever no, the no. plan is, you don't, right? Fair no. enough. Whatever the plan is going forward, it sounds like there is such a strong identity now within all age groups of City and all the coaches like you that... It, it, I'm not saying it wouldn't matter if Pep won. When obviously he's, the guy's a genius, but it might not matter as much as you think. You know, like when Fergie moved on at Old Trafford, the whole sort of pyramid feels as if it's collapsed a little bit. Whereas at yeah. City, it's built on really strong foundations, isn't it? I, I would, I would agree with that 100. I think there's such an identity in how we play. I always thought, well, you know, what big, you know, shoes you feel when Pep moves on. Certainly, from the academy, from the academy point of view of being able to have one or two players coming through, I think we'll, we'll always be able to do that because of the the identity and the DNA and the way we develop develop the players. Um, the big question is, if Pep moves on and that that individual that feels that, how does he take it on to to the next level? Um, because the game moves on, competitors get better. Out of nowhere, somebody becomes a challenger and, and, and all the rest of it. So that becomes a challenge. Who, who, who would that, that individual be that can that will have the same understanding of the of the city way and and enhance it and, and and keep moving forward? But just in the same time, I have to sort of you know congratulate like Jason Wilcox as the head of the academy, because again, just seeing a lot of the, the stuff that's happening there um, is really opened my eyes. It's opened my eyes that. When we look at a team, we look at a team and we think they're playing a system at 4-3-3. But what I'm, what I'm vastly learning is, is where are these spaces? So when you look at a field, you know, we tend to look at, or majority of people tend to just look at the, the 11 players. You've got a back four, you know, midfield three, but where are these spaces? And just by pa passing the ball to a player who is attracted to that player, I mean, who's attracted to that ball to try to win it, then all of a sudden creates a space. And, and then you start to see the game so much differently. So sometimes you purposely, we will purposely pass the ball to a player knowing that that's going to attract two players to create a space that we will then go and exploit. And that, that 
you know, the game is just it's just moved from checkers to chess big time. I must admit, I wish I knew you were very knowledgeable, Sean, and now you've got this insight and you've just given us that insight. I wish I was still commentating next to you because to watch a game with you and listen to your comments like that while the game is happening and your insight would be absolutely fascinating. But but thanks very much for that. Who knows? Maybe you'll succeed, Pep, Sean. Hey, who knows? Hey? Who knows? But I, what I can say is he, he is mind-blowing. The, 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 the knowledge of the game. I have nothing but the greatest respect because what I see and, and stuff I'm learning is probably forgotten. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what's so, so amazing. Um, Tom, you've obviously listened to what Sean's got to say. Uh, impressed as I am? Yeah, massively so. It's, it's, it's really interesting to hear like the insight and the development of the youth squad that's been going on. And to have it like come from one of the city greats as well, is like, it's, it's amazing. So... Um, it's 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 really brilliant how we've dealt brought this into the entire um, foundation of our club and create this identity for us, so that eventually when Pep does leave, whoever does come in, um, has that identity about them, and I think the club will will come will will decide on the right person to take on that role. They're not going to just go out for any um, anyone. Who doesn't have? Who doesn't match the Man City idea of how we play football? And the fact that these um, young players, as well, have been um, are growing up learning this type of football is absolutely incredible. Not just for us as a uh, as a fan base to watch them play for City, but for other teams as well. Watching the likes of um, uh, other youth players going off into playing for other teams, it's been fantastic. Even just City players who've come in and learned the ways that we play, have gone off to other teams and have shone already. Look at Gabby Jesus and Zinchenko, they're shining at the moment, the way, and they look incredible. So it's it's just great for football to see that sort of um, coaching come across and long may it continue. Absolutely. I mean, Jack Harrison scored the other day. Lewis Fiorini's playing really well where he is. James McAtee, I'm sure, will, will shine in his new club. Uh, Taylor Howard Bellis, I know, is, is excelling where he is. It, it, like the, uh, these are the players that don't quite, or at least at this stage, haven't quite made it. And yet they're turning out to be some of the key players at other clubs, which is, which is lovely to see, isn't it? Alan, I think we've got you back. Yeah. Can you hear me now, Ian? Yeah. Good, good. Um, yeah, so just in regards to something interesting that I've I've noticed, and I think we've we've all noticed it, whether we've whether we remember seeing it or or whatever, is by the by. But you look at I call them Pep's disciples. He's had four or five disciples over the last six years at City, and Arteta's the main one. You would think, you know, Juan Milillo's now gone back into managing as well. Uh, Juan Milillo, so he's gone. Um, Patrick Vieira's not doing bad at Palace. Patrick Vieira's not not doing bad, and obviously he was he was. I think he as he had he just moved to Nice at the time that Pep arrived, but he'd been part of that preparation for Pep. Because if we're really honest, and I think Sean, you you, you may have known more from even having contacts at the club at the time. I, I'm I've read lots of stories, I've had lots of ideas. I think me and Ian are on the same page about it as well. That Pep was decided back in 2012. We wanted him. He took a sabbatical. Pellegrini came in knowing he was having three years at City and knew that the deal was to end in 2016. And then Pep was coming in. Anyway, and we were going to try and convince him that it was still the right project. So when Patrick was at the club as the academy um, EDS manager, of course, head coach, he would have known Pep was coming in. The club would have already been preparing 
things for Pep to come in. I still believe that Kevin De Bruyne was Pep Guardiola's signing, even under Pellegrini. I think that was a, a preparation signing. So like you said, Ian, Vieira was a disciple too. Um, Lilo's obviously gone. Um, pardon me for not remembering his name. I've just had it in my head, but he moved to New York City as manager. Um, and obviously that didn't kind of work out in the end and he's moved on. And Arteta's the big one. And there's a reason why he's taking Jesus and Zinchenko there, because if you look at all or nothing, back in 1718, there was a scene between Pep and Arteta where Jesus, had, uh, Jesus Sterling had missed the chance at Burnley, the back post tapping at one all, or I think it was at one nil and we could have gone two nil up and then they scored, it was Goodmanson scored for them, we drew one, one all at Turf Moor. And there's a scene where Pep pulls Arteta and says, you need to have a word with Raheem, you're his mentor, you know, I've, I've delegated that role to you and the same with Zinchenko, I believe, and the same with Jesus. It was almost like a little confidence little circle with Arteta and he's taken two of those disciples and Sterling's gone to Chelsea but I think these managers or head coaches are now going out and delivering what Pep has been been mentoring them in and what he's been doing alongside them for years and that means that Pep's legacy doesn't just live at City it lives across the continent as well um and like you said, that the spine that he's built, the players he's brought in, the philosophy that, that Sean's talking about, it's almost like Pep's child now. And once a child is born, you know, if it stays in good health and it's looked after, it doesn't die till it's meant to die. And, you know, he, without being, I don't mean that in a negative way, I just mean it's Pep's brainchild now. And if it continues to be fueled in the right way by the right people and people stay within the club that have been here under Pep, I can't see any other reason why the club would would completely go in on itself as soon as Pep leaves. He's going to leave a legacy and a blueprint for everybody else to follow, I think. Yeah, and uh, Sean's obviously part of the blueprint. Um, I think it would be remiss of me because if you were at a supporters club branch tonight, Sean, and I know you've, you've talked to a lot of fans down the years, um, most people would ask you to talk a little bit about your time as a player. And I, you'd probably be asked pretty much every question a million times already. So I'm not going to labour it, but I do want to just say to you, I'll open the floor to you really to tell me about your favourite memories at City. Um, it, that can be as little as much as you want, but I can hear people screaming at the podcast thinking, ask him about when he was playing. <laughs> so just tell us a little about your, your favourite memories of being at City. Oh, favourite memories. There's, there's, so, there's so many, you know, because coming to City, you know, coming to City was was my move to a big club. Um, so the, the first game to run out on the pitch um, and to, you know, main road and to see the first tier, run another 10 yards, still not, still not out the tunnel, and then see another tear, but then start to hear, you know, the, the, the fans cheering. Um, that in itself was an amazing feeling because it's like, I'm now at a big club. Um, different games, you know, different games, Wembley game, obviously, Wigan game, uh, where I scored with Wigan, think it was a handball. If they're asking, it was definitely a handball. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, 103, 103 goals. There were some some brilliant some brilliant times and games, and um, and, and even even tough games where where things didn't work out, and you go into the dressing room and and the manager's having a go, and then you you go out there and you you know you you, you turn it around, and 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 then all of a sudden it galvanizes the momentum of performances. 
to, to go on. And, and back then, if you put together like four, four wins, like that was amazing. Today, you know, the, 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 the standards are going straight through the roof. You know, these, these guys put on 18 consecutive wins and it's just, it's just like, and I remember when I think of it, I remember even hearing Keegan, you know, consecutive games, like can we get six consecutive games of winning and draws? And you and you look at that compared to what we've been producing in the last few years. It's just like six games. Like what's that? Four wins, two draws. Is that is that two wins, four draws? <laughs> and and this team, the standards are just through the roof. So I've had an, an unbelievable journey as, as as a player, and and that's you know the the tough times, um, the tough times along with the great times. But you know the goals against United, the the, the great assists uh, from Gary Neville. Um, yeah, I, I, I and what I think was, yeah, I think what I think was great about that, um, well, certainly from, from regards to that, was I've chased the lost cause. I've chased the lost cause. It wasn't, and that's that's a little bit of how how some of my goals came. I wasn't, you know, before Ali Benabi and Al Berkowitz, I did I weren't guaranteed to get chances, and if I did, I used to look to either Ian Bishop or Kevin Orlock. They were. The quality players that can give a quality pass because uh, I weren't a player that could go beat two or three players. I relied on the service. Um, but you know, if 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 Horlock was playing deeper, I didn't know if I was getting a chance. Quite honestly. So whereas I look at this city team, you sleep like a baby. You just like give me a game every week because you know you're going to get chances because of how we play. We, you know, we play uh, a creative brand of ball. We, you know. We don't, we're not receiving long balls or center forwards, our, our current strikers. It's short passes, so they're easy to control, they're easy to, to deal with and, and pass on to other players. Whereas nothing like receiving a 50-yard pass and you've got to hold somebody that's, you know, 13 stone behind you and try to control a ball that's, that's up around your chin and, and, and all of that. But that don't happen. Um, so my so my journey, you know, uh, I I wouldn't change it for the world because I I got a great rapport with the fans through the initial um, time of winning the fans over um, to them, you know, singing the songs and 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 all the rest of it, and, and you know, there's no song like Feed the Goat, so I absolutely love it, and I, and you know, I have to thank the fans for that, so I have to use this moment. Thank you very much. I've, I've got to say, Sean, my, obviously the, the Gary Neville uh, goal uh, against United with his assist was was a memorable one. But I seem to remember you and I doing a commentary at Barcelona together. Uh, wasn't it there where you bumped into uh, to Gary as you were passing him and um, reminded him of that goal? That that always <laughs> just made me chuckle when you've told that story. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was absolutely funny because I I hadn't seen him for years. I, well, I hadn't seen him. At, since since that goal essentially, uh, and yeah, we was we was doing some work over in, in Barcelona, and lo and behold, we step into the elevator, and uh, and Gary now was there with Martin Tyler, and I, I walk in as oh my best mate, <laughs> and it, it it was just absolutely brilliant because he must have thought of, of he must have thought I've not seen this guy, for, and what was funny as well was getting out of the taxi while we when, when I arrived there. The fans were singing, city fans were singing Feed the Goat. And I was thinking, well, I've seen Feed the Goat. No one's seen me. And I just realized Gary Neville had just got out of a car himself. <laughs> and so I was just like, love the city fans. They just they just get it, get at him every time. So it was really good to pop into the elevator. 
that awkward I'm surprised he didn't ask. As well. I'm surprised he didn't ask where Bartes was. I'm surprised he wasn't turning round on a swivel looking for Fabian Bartes to dig him out, Sean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what one, just as we come to the end of the podcast, what one quick question, I suppose it's a difficult one for you to answer, Sean, because you're, you're at the club, but City playing this friendly in Barcelona, whilst it's a very noble cause, I must admit, just slightly fill me with worry and anxiety. And I'm thinking, do we really need to be playing a game now that the season's underway and risking any injuries? Am I wrong to think that way? I, I think... <laughs> I'm one to think that if you, if we think it, then these sort of things come to fruition. And I think, you know, it, it's more for me. I would think more about the positive of, from you know, the the, the course of it and who it's helping, and and think that yeah, we we keep our fingers crossed that that no one gets injured, uh, because we are we are sort of low down in terms of the 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 injuries etc. Um, but I think it's just looking at it and saying, hey, go there for a good cause. It's great that the, the, the players, the club can contribute to this cause and help out. Uh, and we just hope that, you know, there's, there's no injuries. Because we could not go there, play a game, and we could get two injuries, three injuries, and, you know, or an injury or two, and it could be long term. We, you know, I think we just have to... and. I think it'll be unfortunate because Barcelona are not a, a are not a team that that will hack players, and and we're not. You know, you're talking about two quality um, class teams um, playing for a course. So I like to think of it that way. It's for a course, and and fingers crossed that that you know there's no one that comes back injured. And likewise, if they wasn't to go, who's to say that a player couldn't get injured? Who you know wouldn't get injured in in the next game? So it just got to be. It's for the cause, support it and, and move on. And fingers crossed, everyone comes back. Okay. I must admit, Pep spoke about it in the press conference on Friday and was was very classy. That is what he's all about. And and another classy comment was he was asked about after the Newcastle game about whether he was worried about in the second half about the performance. And he turned it back on the interviewer and said, listen, Newcastle played very well. Sometimes you have to give credit to the team. And, it, you know, it's, it's not about how good or bad my team's played sometimes. You have to give some credit to the opposition. And I thought that was a really classy answer as well. But we expect that from Pep Guardiola. Um, so we're almost at the end of, of the podcast. Um, I'm going to come back to each each of the guys in turn in just a second. But I just wanted to once again thank uh, Howard Solicitors, uh, which is www.howardsolicitors with two S's in the middle, uh, .co.uk. They're based in Ashton and Stockport. They do all sorts of work for all sorts of people. Um, look them up on the internet um, and give them a call and tell them that you listened to the Forever Blue podcast, heard about them there, and I'm sure that they'll try and help you. And we certainly appreciate, and I certainly appreciate their help in, in making sure that this podcast can go ahead. So let me let me go to the three guests in turn. We'll leave Sean to the end. He's the star. So we'll start with you, Tom. Um, City get a, a three-all draw at Newcastle. Next up is Crystal Palace. Um, and we've got two or three games coming up. There's a Champions League draw at the at the end of the week as well. Where are you as a City fan at the moment in terms of your enjoyment and optimism levels? Uh, happy. But two, we've had three games, two wins and a draw. I don't, I don't think you can be happier with that, with the teams that we come up against. We came up against a tough West Ham side and we won 2-0 uh, away from home, which is always a tough game to go for. I know West Ham haven't had a good start to the season, but 
to go there first game is really difficult because we had last season we played Tottenham and we got beat there, which is um, we always want to try and start it on a positive way. But I'm really optimistic for the season, really quite um, happy with the team, love the way that we're playing football. Um, Crystal Palace next game, always got that uh, little bit of worry. Uh, being a typical City fan, not not fully sure what's going to happen. Always got that little doubt in my mind. But I think the Newcastle game will push us to really try and go for that and go for the win there, especially with the home crowd. The way it was against Bournemouth, it was buzzing. So definitely uh, looking forward to the next game and looking forward to the season. And um, hopefully there'll be some players that play in the Barcelona game as well who don't usually play, like uh, Phillips or Alvarez, and they'll get a few minutes under their belt. And it just rotate the squad and see and more te- more players wanting to play for the team, the better. Alan, where are you? Uh, well, I'm, I'm a tad... Uh, ooh, is not really my style, but at the same time, Ian, I think Wilfred Zaha will have been watching the game yesterday afternoon and rubbing his hands together, I'm honest, looking at Walker. I really do. I, he's a very good player, Wilf. I know you like St Maximan. I know you've praised Wilf Zaha before. Um it, it, when I was talking about Grealish two years ago, I, I had him, St. Maximan and Zaha as my three to bring in to replace Sane, if you want to call it that, on that left-hand side. Um, I think Will Fuller been looking at that yesterday, thinking Walker looks a bit of me at the moment, if I'm honest. And the inverted fullbacks will we'll play into Wilfred Zaha's hands because he can go inside or outside. So he's not really bothered. And he's, he's the same really well. And you look at Ed, he's like the season well. Michael Elise, Jeffrey Slup, Mateta scored. And then you look at the fact that they've they've got Odson Edward as well. So they've got goals in them and they've got flair, they've got ability, agility and speed. So if we play anywhere near the level that we played at defensively yesterday, um, we could come unstuck at home against Palace again. But in, in an optimistic sense, um, I expect Haaland to score a couple more before the end of the month. Not expecting it in a horrible way, just expecting to because he's a hungry guy. And he'll want to. And I expect him to cause Palace's backline problems just as much as they might cause us some. But um, I wouldn't start worrying about Haaland and overthinking it and you know, saying we've got to change our style of play to suit him. If you feed him the ball, I was going to say feed the goat then, Sean. If you feed him the ball, so if you feed the... If you feed the... What, what's secondary to a goat? Let's have a thing. If you feed the... Not horse is bigger than a goat, but we'll call him the horse. If you feed the horse, um, he will score. And... Of course, you've just got to trust him to do the work. He's going to eat centre-halves for days this season. He can shift for a big guy. And I trust him to nick a couple of goals before the end of September as well. So I've not got a problem there. Just going back to something I said before, Tom, and, and, and Sean as well. I completely appreciate where you're coming from, Sean, in terms of the new the new style of defending and trying to do it on the front foot and be a bit cuter with it. Yeah. And Tom, I get where you were coming from about not, not necessarily having to be 50-50 and slam-slam. But it was more for me, maybe maybe Pep yesterday could have looked at things and maybe inverted that that midfield three and gone, let's go, let's go, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a triangle instead of a, a defense, you know, instead of a, a, an attacking three and and maybe play Calvin and Rodri together. It was never going to be take Rodri off, put Calvin on. It was maybe just change the dynamic in that three. Allow us a bit more stability, stop Walker and Cancelo maybe having to come as narrow and then... We could have still benefited in the attacking sense from that that number ten, but it was just that for me. I just think we we could have closed things up a bit more with Calvin Phillips, and he would have probably done the dirty work, and Rodri could have then got on more with the with the beautiful stuff that he usually does. But 
yeah, I'm positive, Ian. Looking forward to the rest of the season. Looking forward to the end of the month. Uh, we got Notts Forest after this as well. That's another tricky one. But I think going back to what I said, Sean, um, it's a stark reminder that you've got 16 games a season that you're going to have to really battle in with your competitors. And the other games, you should put your three points up in. But over the years now, with the way the quality is in the Premier League, the better players that are coming over, the recruitment from a lot of sides in the Premier League, even Forrest made 16 signings, quality European players. The, the ante is going to be upped and there's going to be more teams that go, do you know what? We don't need to go to the Etihad and sit back anymore. We can have a crack. Let's test Walker. Let's test Cancelo. Let's actually put Rodri under pressure and see if he will put in a 50-50 on us. And I think the Premier League will start to improve in that sense, but we'll still be one of the top teams. John, last word to you. Uh, Crystal Palace at the weekend. Uh, your pal, Patrick Vieira, I'm sure you know him very well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because if I'm Patrick Vieira, I'm, you know, you, you want to put on a, you want to leave a marker so that the, the hierarchy of City know, oh, Patrick Vieira is, is you know, uh, put on a great game and challenge Pep Guardiola. So I think within himself, for understanding and knowing, uh, you know, the City way of playing, etc., he'll be wanting to, you know, to sort of spoil the party somewhat. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm worried because the last, I think last time we did play them, um, they got a decent result against us. Um, and, you know, so well done to Patrick. But in saying that, I think Pep Guardiola, um, you know, he, he, he's, a, he's a very quick learner. You, you managed to, to get a good result against him. You know, we all know come the, the following game or the next time, it's a whole different game. And he social your team out and follow your weaknesses and, and exploits them. So I think it'll be an interesting one. I think it's one that'll be tough for us. But I think we'll just, just about edge it. But that's because of the, the, the genius manager that we have. Um, but Palace look a very tough outfit to play against, but I think we'll, we'll, we'll just edge it. So look forward to it. Sean, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time tonight for your great work, of course, in the academy and all the pleasure you give me as a footballer. I know it won't be the last time we speak. It sounds like it is, but, but no, thank you very much for your contribution tonight. Really appreciate pleasure. it. Uh, to Tom and Harlan as well, and to you for listening, subscribing and sharing and all the things and all the lovely comments that people make about the podcast and the vlogs that I do. Uh, really appreciate it. Because if there's one thing you should remember from every podcast or vlog that I do, and it's the only thing you remember, remember this, it's great to be a blue. <laughs>